0: Well, if you take your Bibles, Matthew chapter number 5, Matthew 5, and uh, we're going to be in Matthew 5. I I told you that I'm going to share a few uh, of the thoughts. Some of these things are are similar to what I shared uh, to our young people this morning in Secondary Chapel, but uh, I'm saving, I preached a lot longer to them than I am going to to you tonight. I probably preached 45 or 50 minutes to them this morning. I'm saving you about the first 20 minutes of uh, introduction But uh, when we went to Proverbs with the young people this morning, and we looked at a dad talking to his son, Solomon. Solomon talking to his son, Rehoboam. And in Proverbs 7, he tells his son, he says, Son, I wish you would listen to me. I I wish you would take my wisdom. I wish you would take my, my teachings. Because if you would, he said, it would keep you away from some relationships, specifically the strange woman in Proverbs 7. It would keep you away from some relationships, some influences, some things in your life. And there's a verse at the end of Proverbs chapter 7, I want to say it's verse 24, 26, something like that. It talks about the fact that when you allow certain things into your life, before you know it, you've gone too far. And the Bible says, before you know it, you've, it, it it's it, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, you know, and you don't even, it, the, the wording it says, and knowest not that it is for his life. There are things that we can allow into our lives that create, and and. Some of the temptations for young people are the same as they are for us old people, and others of those temptations are different, and some of the things that adults struggle with are different. But there are some things that Satan can get a stronghold that can come into our lives that we don't even realize. And before we know it, he uses the picture of an ox going to the slaughter. And I asked the teens, now, Steve, what's stronger, you or an ox? You'd like to think you. We all know the truth. An ox. But... The fact that we can go to any, many restaurants and order steak or hamburger shows us that every day there are steer and cows and, and being led to the slaughter by one person, one chain, one leash. Now, if they knew what was happening, there's no way they would go. But why do they allow them, themselves to be led to their death, their destruction? Because they have no idea what's happening to them. And that's the picture Solomon uses to his son. Certain things can come into your life that will destroy you before you even know what happened. In that chapter, he uses specifically a wrong relationship, temptation, lust, a physical relationship with somebody that you ought not be involved in. That's what he uses in Proverbs 7. He talks about that again in Proverbs 5. And then I took him over where we are in Matthew chapter number 5 today. And I want to talk to us, and I guess the title of my message for you is different than it was for them. But some of the same truths, my title for you is, what's offending you? Now, when we think of the word offending, we usually think of who made you mad, right? That that guy on the way to church today on the 405 that cut you off, he offended me. That person at work today that said something unkind, they offended me. Well, that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. We're using that word in the way that Christ uses it. And really it's it's what is it that is tripping you up? What is it that is hurting you? What is it that is destroying your life? What is offending you? And I don't know the answer. I could try to list a whole bunch of things. Different people struggle with different things. Sometimes what offends us is a bitterness in our lives. As adults, the longer you live, the more people you've had that have hurt you. And if you're not careful, I think I might have preached on this a little bit on Sunday morning a little bit. Did I talk? A, I can't remember where I preached recently, but I talked about that bitterness that springs up and defiles many. And somewhere I talked about that um, in the last week or so to some audience. I don't remember where. But, but, but as adults, the, longer you, the more people you know and the more people you invest in, the more chance you have to be done wrong and to be hurt. And if, you're not, if you don't deal with that, bitterness springs up and bitterness can offend you. What's offending you? I, I, I've dealt with and, and through, through 20 years of ministry, dealing with people with, in marriages, what can offend is, is a wrong relationship where a, a, a husband or a wife enters into a wrong relationship online or at work. Or, and that, that relationship, it begins to offend you, to hurt you, to trip you up, to, to cause you to stumble. For others, it might be, uh, this is a new one for all of us that we have to struggle with, a device it can take us away from our family. My wife sometimes has to look at me and kind of clear her throat and be like, you've got a, a six-year-old, a, a nine-year-old almost right there in front of you that, that haven't seen you all day. You've been at work all day. How about you put the phone down? Stop checking the email. Stop stop going on social media. And if we're not careful, a device can can creep in and can offend us and it might be online content. And And the statistics say that, that, that pornography and things that are out there, they are having great effects on lives and even Christians non-Christians, pastors, uh, teenagers, all of that. I don't know what it is. I'm not talking about a person that made you mad. I'm talking about something in your life that you've allowed in, that Satan's got a stronghold. For some, it might be a substance. What's offending them is an addiction to a substance, to a, a, a prescription drug or an illegal drug or maybe a, 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 a allowing alcohol to come in and control their lives. And that's offending them. It's, it's destroying their marriage. It's, it's destroying their family. It's destroying. And we talked about the fact that with all sin, nobody gets involved in any sin, whether it's bitterness, whatever, all the things I mentioned, things that I haven't mentioned thinking, you know what? I can't wait till this destroys my life. Anything that creeps into our lives, we often either don't recognize it or we think I can control it. Nobody, nobody takes the first, uh, 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 you know, tries the first um, um, illegal drug, illicit drug and and thinks I can't wait until I'm in rehab and I've lost my job and I've lost my family and, and I'm homeless. I can't wait for that day. But what happens is things come in, sin, and the Bible says, lust when it's conceived bringeth it forth sin, sin when it's finished, bring it is finished bringeth forth death. Things come in and they begin to hurt us. We come to Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaching there, that Sermon on the Mount, and early in his ministry, people have begun to follow him. And really, it's a, it's a wonderful sermon. If you ever think I preach long, go there. It's a pretty long sermon. And, uh, and, and he talks about a whole bunch of different issues. It's where we find the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are all. And we find he talks about a whole lot of things in the Sermon on the Mount. Several uh, covers spans quite a, a bit of the gospel here. And he's really teaching these newfound followers what it means to be a Christian. All they knew was religion, some of them, the Old Testament Jewish rules and laws. And he's teaching them that, that this is what it means to have a relationship with Christ. So follow me. Here's what it looks like. And it looked a whole lot different than what they were used to in their religion. It looked a whole lot different than what they were used to in the Old Testament. And he comes to, to uh, Matthew chapter number 5, and let's look at verse number 27. He says in Matthew 5, verse 27, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Notice what he says in verse 28. So that's what you were used to. Verse 28, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That's a pretty tough verse. Because I I, I don't know, and I hope that it's not a a, a nonstop, never-ending thing for every man in this room, but I don't know if, if any man were to be honest that there's any man that could say that they've never looked on a woman to lust. That's a, a natural temptation. That's a, it's a God-given desire that gets perverted because of our, our fallen sin nature. But Jesus, what is he teaching here? I don't believe what he's saying is, well, once you've looked on a woman to lust, it's just as bad as committing adultery. So you might as well go commit adultery and, and just forget it. You can't. I believe what he's teaching here is you have focused on the external. The old rules used to said you've heard it said in the old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. As long as I don't, I don't externally do the wrong things. And Jesus said, under grace, I'm taking it to a whole new level. I want you to focus on your heart, your thinking. I, I want you to be right internally and the external will take care of itself. And he, this is a new thing, he says. He says, uh, he says uh, you've heard it said in the law, don't commit adultery. Well, they, they knew that. That was a really old law that comes back from, from the law given to Moses. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, I'm telling you, I'm taking it to another level. As a Christian, it's not just about, well, I didn't get involved in that, but my heart was wrong, my thinking was wrong. No, I want to control every part of you, not just the external, the internal. Notice what he says in verse number 29. Would you read verse 29 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. That escalated quickly. Think about it in context you guys thought you were doing good because you've never had a, a physical relationship outside of the bounds of your marriage. And I'm telling you, if you look on a woman to lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And now I follow it up with, Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, and if you're right, I offend you, pluck it out. And this following Jesus thing's of, kind of bloody, kind of messy, kind of painful. What? Again, I don't believe literally he's saying if you have ever looked on a woman to lust, okay, find a knife and pull your eye out. What is he saying? He says here, if you're right, I offend thee pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30, he says, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If there's something in your life, don't allow that thing to keep you from following God. Get that thing out of your life. I believe he's using an analogy in a I don't think he's telling people now if you've ever done something wrong, if you've ever stolen something. Now, in some countries, if you steal something, they do cut off your arm, they do cut off your hand, and, and surprisingly, in those countries, they have a very low shoplifting rate. But, but I don't think I, I, what he's saying is as, as you're following Christ, there are some things, even if it's painful, even if it's close to you, even if you can't imagine life without it, there are some things. You need to, he said, pluck it out, cut it off. You need to get out of your life if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a disciple, if it would be better for you, and what is he saying, to get rid of that in your life. And so I ask again, what's offending you? What is it in your life? that is causing you in your life to stumble, to to not be the the Christian that you should be, to not be the follower of Christ that you should be. What did Jesus say as he's preaching here to some that were followers and to many that were not? What is he saying? He's saying don't hold on to those things. They're going to keep you from truly following me. And I want you to see four things about the analogy, the word picture that he uses in your life and in mine. I think we should ask, okay, God, what is it in my life, the application for us tonight? What is it in my life that you want me to get rid of? And I want you to see four analogies, four four thoughts from what Jesus tells them uh, regarding this idea. Number one, Number one, if you're going to get rid of it, number one, it's personal. He said, "Thy, if thy right eye offend thee, it's something close to you. It's a huge part of your life. I can't imagine living life without one of my eyes. Your eyes are one of the most important things. It's why when there's a large group of people, that, maybe in military or in In law enforcement, they want to get rid of, what do they do? They throw out tear gas. Why? Because if your eye gets something in it, it incapacitates the rest of you. You can't can't function if you can't see. And Jesus says here, this is something that's going, it might be something that's very personal to you, but if it's keeping you from following me the way that you should, get rid of it. It might be a job. It might be a a relationship. It might be a social media. It might be an app. It might be a device. It might be bitterness. It might, what is it he's, I believe as he's preaching, what is it in your life that you've allowed in? And it might be something very personal. You can't imagine your life without it. I can't imagine my life without my, Jesus said, if you're going to be the follower of me that I want you to be, if there's something there that's offending you, no matter how personal it is, get rid of it number two what does he say what do I see from this this analogy not only is it personal but to follow Christ at times to, to to get rid of some things in our lives that ought not be there it's painful you ever get something in your eye how many of you you uh you you you've touched you know peppers maybe cooking I've done it where I've touched some peppers and then I rub my eyes you get something in your eye it's painful Uh, You ever get poked in your eye, maybe playing sports or somewhere else, something pokes you in the eye, a stick? Man, that's painful. It stops everything. I can't even imagine the idea of gouging my eye out or cutting my hand off. I can't imagine. And Jesus says, I don't care how painful it is to get that out of your life. It's not worth you going to hell and keeping it. Well, I can't imagine And I talked to the teenagers this morning a little bit about devices and apps and some other things. And well, I can't imagine, I said it would be better for you to go into adulthood with a flip phone than to enter into adulthood with a smartphone and have created a bunch of of addictions and things that you can't control and relationships and content that you've watched. And I can't imagine that. That's painful. It's painful to admit what it is that's offending you. And Jesus said, I don't care how painful it is, get it out of your life if it's keeping you from being the follower of me that you need to be. Get it out of your life. It's personal. It's painful. It, it hurts to admit that I failed in that area. It hurts to seek help. Uh, it hurts. I was talking to, we had that ministry team that was here and, and uh, I don't know if it was Pastor Sammy or Pastor Ryan, we were talking to each other. Brother Van Gelderen, he was talking about, he, he travels with college students all of the time, and he was talking about the scourge of inappropriate content online and what that's, he, he said, in his opinion, teenagers probably, it's up in the 80, 85 to 90 percent that teenagers have struggled with it or are currently struggling with it. He said, I'm dealing with Bible college graduates that are traveling with me as interns or as ministry workers, and these kids were great kids. They came and ministered, and he said, he said it's the rare one that we talk to that has not struggled with it at some point and you know what I I love his mentality he told me he said he said it used to be they have a bible college there at their church and he said it used to be that if we found out or a young man came and told us he was struggling with this we would kick him out of school because he was struggling with this and 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 someone training for ministry he said it got to the place we would have been kicking every kid out of school he said we changed our our policy and we said if you come to us and let us know you're struggling we're going to work with you and we're gonna help you get victory and we're gonna get into God's word and we're gonna work through this because this is a scourge of our society, of our generation. That temptation is right there at your fingertips. And and, and and I love the fact that in their ministry, they've said, hey, it might hurt, it might be shameful to admit you're struggling. And not just in that one area. The truth is all of us are prideful. It's it's hard to admit if you're struggling in your marriage. It's hard to admit if you're struggling at, at work. It's hard to admit you're struggling with maybe your spiritual health or your emotional health or your mental health. But, but it might be painful but Jesus said it's worth it to go through the pain in order to become the follower of me that I want you to be. Number three, I saw with the teens this morning, what I see in this passage, not only is it personal and not only is it painful, it's permanent. You don't put, an, especially back in these days, there's no such thing as an eye transplant. Now you can put a, a hook back on, and I don't know today, I don't know if they have like robotic eyes or just glass eyes, but you pluck the eye out, you cut... What's, what's, it's going to change you. And you're going to have to make some changes in your life to become who I want you to be, but it would be better for you to make those permanent changes than to enter into hell without ever making those changes, as he's preaching. To, to, be not, to not be the follower of me that I want you to be. It's permanent. And then lastly, what I see and the challenge to you and to me is it's worth the pain. Verse number 30, would you read verse 30 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. That's that's an interesting word. It is profitable to thee. You see verse 29? Verse 29 If thy right of offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee. I don't know about you. I wouldn't describe having my right arm amputated as profitable. Having my right eye plucked out, losing it, I wouldn't describe that as profitable. And you know what Jesus said? It's profitable. I can't imagine my life without that. Whatever it is that might be in your life, that it's, it's greed, it's lust, it's anger, it's, it's an addiction to this substance. It's whatever it is, I can't imagine my life without it and it would be so painful to get it out of my life. And you know what Jesus said? It's worth the pain. It's worth the hard work of walking through that which is offending you of facing it of dealing with it of maybe the shame of admitting it and walking through that Jesus said it's worth the pain and 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 my my message tonight my question tonight is what is it in your life that's offending you, it's worth the pain, the hard work of going through that, of uh, some pain is worth the benefit. It's better to have that pain and be the follower of Christ you should be than to not face that pain and to destroy your life with that which is in there that's offending you. None of us like to admit we need help in an area. Well, maybe some of you do. I don't. By nature, I don't think hardly any of us like to admit, I'm weak in this area. I'm struggling. This is offending me. This is really dragging me down. This relationship isn't what, what I need. This this activity, I've got i I've gotten addicted to that. I, I, I spend all my time now, instead of things that matter for eternity, I, I waste all my time on video games or I waste all my time in television. I waste all my time just messing around. Whatever it might be, I, 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 I I'm, I'm, my, my whole life is distracted by these things and Jesus talking to them, he said, it's not just about the external fruit. I want you to take inventory of those those things, the innermost things. And then he said, and if there's something inside that's offending you, deal with it. By the way, to deal with it the way he said, it's going to be pretty obvious that you dealt with it. Other people are going to know if you pluck your eye out or you cut off your arm. And Jesus said, "I don't don't worry about the shame or whatever. It's profitable for your pain. As I was studying this passage and and, and preparing some of these thoughts, I, I thought about a story in our generation that kind of describes what happened here. Do we have that picture there, Kevin? If we have that that picture, I don't know if any of you would recognize um, this picture of this person. Probably not. My guess is probably not. And uh, But it's not necessarily, necessarily a celebrity. But when I tell you the story, you'll probably, many of you have heard of it. I don't know if that face rings a bell for anybody it wouldn't for me his name is Aaron Ralston Aaron Ralston um, you might have heard of him he was really just kind of an outdoorsman he went hiking and would go hiking a lot go go in canyons and things and he was hiking back in 2003 in Utah anybody see that clip this week of the mountain lion the cougar that was chasing the guy for six minutes down the 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 moral there was if you didn't haven't seen it There was this guy in Utah somewhere over the weekend, I think, and he was walking. He was going for a jog, beautiful hiking mountains of Utah, and he saw some cute, what he thought were little bobcat kittens, and he kind of stopped. And before he knew it, Mama Cougar, Mama Mountain Lion, walked out and stalked him for six minutes. And he videos the whole thing. He's walking backwards. This mountain lion is stalking him for six minutes and multiple times lunged at him, covered about 50 feet in about a half a second. Some of the scariest stuff. And I was just watching on the phone. The moral of the story is don't go hiking in Utah after you hear this story and that story. But Aaron Ralston was in Wayne County, Utah. He was was by himself canyoneering alone in the Blue John Canyon. And while he was descending into one of the slots there, a suspended boulder became dislodged, and some of you might have heard this story. It crushed his left hand, and then it rolled over, and it pinned his right hand, his right arm. The boulder was about 800 pounds. His right arm got pinned between the boulder and the side of the canyon, and he was there, and he tried everything you could think of, tried to move, put all his weight to kind of get his arm loose, get it, and nothing worked. Well, he came prepared for something just like this. He had all of 12 ounces of water and two burritos, you need a little bit more than that to survive something like this. And he thought he hadn't told anybody where he was going. He hadn't let anybody know where he was hiking. And, uh, and so for the next three or four days, he tried to stretch 12 ounces of water to last for three or four days and his two little burritos to last for that, that length of time. Around day four... He kind of resigned himself. Nobody's ever going to find me. I'm out in this remote wilderness. I didn't tell anybody where I was going. He wasn't on it. He was in canyons. He wasn't on a hiking trail. He said, I'm going to die. In fact, he took, he said it wasn't even as nice as a leatherman. He took a little pocket knife, little multi-use tool. He said it'd be the kind that if you bought a $15 flashlight, the one that they gave you for free. That That was the level of what he had there. He took that and he carved his name into the sandstone with his date of birth. And the date that date, his date of death. He recorded on his cell phone videos, goodbye videos to his family. And he began, because he was out of food, he hadn't slept, he was out of water, began to hallucinate. He said one of his dreams that night, or his hallucinations, was that his future self was playing with a child, with, with a child and he was missing a part of his right arm. And he said that, that hallucination, that vision, that dream gave him the hope that he might make it and kind of gave him the hope to try to do something. And, and I'm not going to get too graphic because if you have a squeamish stomach, stomach, this story can mess with you very easily. But he took this, I do have to tell a little bit of it, he took this dull multi-use tool and he tried to amputate his own arm. And he realized this thing wasn't going to cut through bone. And so he took with his body leverage and he snapped both of the bones in his own arm And then he he took his camelback water thing, those backpacks that you can drink water out of, the tube from that, he created a tourniquet and he amputated his own right arm. I can't imagine. I don't know how you stay conscious during that. I don't know how you stay alive during that. He's been five days, at this point it was the fifth day, five days on 12 ounces of water and two burritos. I can't even make it five hours on 12 ounces of water and two burritos. And the story is told, true story, he rappelled about 65 or 70 feet down that canyon, and then he began to walk. He was eight miles from his car. He began to walk, and about six miles out, uh, a family that was vacationing from the Netherlands saw him coming across, and, and they saw him and called for help, and a helicopter came, and he was rescued about four hours after that, and, uh, and, and, and he ended up, they took him, of course, to the, uh, to the hospital, and he ended up uh, living there. And as I thought about that story, I asked myself, do you think that he enjoyed that experience and enjoyed that pain? Of course not. But do you think he was glad that he made that decision? Sure. If you asked him today, was it worth it to cut off your arm in order to live? What do you think he would tell us today some 17 years later? Sure, of course. That pain was worth it. We tell you, I'm glad that I cut off my arm to save my life. And, and here's the, the thought, and, and just a simple truth here. And for us, what is it that's offending you? That thing in your heart that nobody knows about. When I say offending, not upsetting you, but it's dragging you down spiritually. It's drawing you away from God. It's it's that thing that your wife doesn't know, your husband doesn't know, your friends don't know. That thing in your life, that bitterness towards somebody that you can't let go of that hurt that you can't, and it is destroying you, that that addiction to a substance or to a device, that workaholicism, I've just got to work more, I've got to make more, I've got to earn. I don't know what it is, What the Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. There are all kinds of things that can get us off track in serving God to be the followers he wants us to be. And all of us through life, how many of you have figured out at, at different stages of life, there are different things that can get you off track? What is it in your life that's offending you? that's causing you to stumble, that's, that's bringing you down spiritually. Jesus, as he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I don't, I don't care how personal it is, how close it is to you, how much you couldn't imagine your life without it. I don't care how painful it is. I don't, I don't. You say, well, it's permanent. If I do that, my life will forever be different. I don't care how permanent it is. What did Jesus say? It's worth the pain. And what did he say? He didn't say, Kind of limit it in your life. Well, let me just do it in moderation. Well, let me kind of change it. Jesus said, if it's offending you, pluck it out. If it's offending you, cut it off. That relationship is bringing you down. And I'm not talking necessarily, if, if it's a marriage relationship, get help. I'm not saying cut off your marriage relationship, get help and, and seek counseling and, and get victory. But whatever that is in your life, that Satan is allowed, your flesh has allowed to lead you in a, into, on a path you shouldn't be on, What did Jesus say? Deal with it. Don't worry about the shame. Don't worry about the guilt. Don't worry about how it makes you look. Well, everybody's going to know there's something wrong with me. My eye's missing. My arm's missing. Jesus said, it would be better to follow me into heaven without an arm than to end up in hell with two arms. What is he saying? There are some things that are not worth holding on to if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know how that speaks to you today, But for me, it reminds me, don't let that, because I become comfortable with it, don't let something come in and destroy God's plan and God's purpose for my life because I don't want to do the hard work of dealing with it. It's okay to not be okay. Deal with that thing in your life, that besetting sin that's offending you. Get help. Seek help. Talk to somebody. Get accountability. That's what the church is for. Bear ye one another's burdens. Walk, let somebody walk through that with you. It's all right if, if, if you need. The Bible talks about in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. You need somebody that's walked through that path before to help you. You're struggling in this area or that area. Don't let that tear you down. Cut it off. Pluck it out. Deal with it and deal with it fully so that you can be the follower of Christ that God wants you to be. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.